0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, we are marching on through January here. Um, wow, I mean, we had a good—we I mean, were through the holidays now. Yeah, and, Finally. Uh, and football is kicking off, and not I mean, kicking yeah. off, it's winding down, but wow, the, the, the NFL playoffs are, are getting yeah, exciting. you had a big
1: win by the Georgia Bulldogs in the national championship. That was huge. Um, and then obviously NFL playoffs, my Cowboys are advancing. And they've only won like two playoff games in my entire life. So <laughs> you're pretty excited, I'm aren't you pumped that they actually came out and won a playoff game onto San Francisco, but there's going to be a lot of great games this week. Yeah,
0: there is Jacksonville Jags are still in it, you know, yep. and, I, and that's our Trevor Lawrence guy from Clemson. So we're so excited about that. And Hey, it'll be a fun weekend. Be Absolutely. good. Be good to see all those NFL games and uh, see who winds up in the playoffs and yeah. the Super Bowl here or the championships and the Super Bowls. So that's exciting. Speaking of exciting, we have some exciting stuff to talk about. Um, you know, we're going to talk about um, the stock market and review last year. Maybe not so exciting because it was a rough <laughs> year in the stock market. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it's worth looking back and, and saying, okay, what happened? Why did it happen? And you know, how, how did, what did well um, or what held up well, we should say. And, uh, and what does that say about this year and going forward? So we're going to dig into that. Got a good article here out of New York Times and um, I think it'll, it'll shed some good light on that.
1: Yeah. And the next is five ways to protect your money. Always good to review things. Hey, how can I be saving money? Um, obviously, we can't predict what's going to go on in the economy, but it's always good to be protecting your, your income and your money. And so we'll talk about five concepts.
0: Yeah, those are great tips. So stay tuned for that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro. And we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday morning. Um, check us out on our website. Um, you can check us out there on moneymd.net. Um, you can listen to us you know, off iTunes or straight off the website, anywhere in the world. Um, we have a lot of resources on our website as well, so to do check out our website And uh, you can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, Ryan, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this one starts with looking
1: back at U.S. car sales for 2022, which were actually down. Um, So if we really look at the full year sales, uh, just under 14 million units were sold. So down 7.8% from 2021. Um, Trucks, uh, SUVs, uh, full sales were down 6.4% while passenger car sales were down 12.8% um, compared to 21. So we saw a decline in car sales in 2022, which is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, higher interest rates are having a real effect on purchasing. I mean, so, you know, consumers are pulling back. I mean, it's kind of to be expected when you got to pay a lot more higher interest rate. Yeah. And, and most people do finance those those purchases, unfortunately. We, we, you know, like to recommend paying cash for your car, so it shouldn't really matter, right? Yeah. But, well, hopefully, it's going to help with just the cost. You know, obviously, cars
1: costs have skyrocketed, especially used cars, and so hopefully, right. that's going to help correct some things there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I did read yesterday that ten percent of new car sales last year worldwide were electric cars, EVs. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, so there you go. So I mean, those are taking hold. So that's a little bit of good news, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, car sales definitely down, and I expect they'll slide some more this year, given hot the higher interest rates and. um And that all speaks to the stock market last year, a tough year in the stock market. Um, You know, so we want to talk about 2022 stock market in review, you know, what's going on there. And uh, this is based on an article from New York Times um, very recently, Jeff Somner. But, uh, Ryan, you know, 2022 was a year most investors would rather forget, I'm afraid. Um, You know, all the major indexes were down um, with the S&P 500 clocking their worst year since 2008, and ended, with, um, ended a three-year winning streak. We had three nice years in a row. So the S&P 500 was down about 19.4% last year based on the price. And the NASDAQ Composite was down 33%. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily blowing up all the Wall Street estimates last year. So, um, yeah, we're going to look at some of the estimates, what they predicted, and what actually happened. And it's interesting to see the difference. But international stocks also closed down on a sour note, down 16.5%. That was the worst annual uh, return since 2018. And the Russell 2000 of U.S. small stocks were down 21% for the year. So needless to say, there were not many places to hide from the carnage last year in the stock market.
1: Yeah, and a lot of things happened. And so just looking back, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, that really snarled the supply chains. Uh, another year of COVID turned markets on their head this year or this past year. Inflation surged around the globe and central banks hiked rates at a hectic pace to keep price hikes from spiraling out of control. And uh, China, the world's second largest economy, periodically would shut down their entire you know, entire cities to contain you know the virus. Um, energy supplies were cut off but recession fears um, send de- but recession fears sending demand um, falling in the second half of the uh, of the year anyway all of this left a few safe places for investors to employ their money without some pain so a lot of things happened
0: yeah it really did it was it was an interesting year a lot of a lot of things uh... Things were pulling uh, markets down, and while stocks had a miserable year, bonds unfortunately fared even worse compared to history. Um, you know, inflation and the massive interest rate hikes and a super strong dollar left bond investors in kind of unfamiliar territory. The aggregate bond index um, from Bloomberg uh, had its worst year since inception. In mm. 1977, according to FactSet, was down about 15% for the year in the aggregate bond index. And the uh, return for the S&P 500 Treasury bond index was down 10.7%. Well, the 30-year Treasury bond index sunk to the worst return in a century at its low point with a massive 35% drop in the uh, long bond index. So uh, not a good place to be. As well. Inflation hit a 40 year high in June, um, peaking 9%, 9.1% last June. And so, you know, while consumers continue to spend and housing prices spike due to the real estate speculation we hadn't seen for, you know, over a decade in 2006, um, all of that, you know, really um, put a lot of pressure, you know, on the stock market. And while inflation has started to cool, the damage was done to corporate profits. Um, and the final tally, the S&P is expected to have just grown its earnings by about 5% last year, um, well below the annual average of 8.5% over the past 10 years, according to FactSet. fact set. So earnings really got hurt last year. So that was a big component of it. And then also energy, which, you know, boomed as oil and gas prices surged early in the year, was really the only uh part of the, the the only sector to have made some profits um some good profits that is excluding energy the S&P 500 earnings estimated to have fallen 1.8% last year um of course those profits uh you know those poor profits combined with the spike in interest rates <clears throat> is what sent stocks sharply lower throughout the year Yeah, global equity markets lost $33 trillion in value from their peak last year. Tough year.
1: Yeah, tough year. And in growth stocks or shares of companies that are expanding their business quickly got hammered particularly hard. Um, Investors value these firms based on expectations for future profit since they tend to pay little in dividends. Um, Those values look less enticing in a world in which interest rates are going up. Tesla is down about 70% making the auto tech company the third worst performer this year. um, Last year. Yeah, last year. Uh, Meta, Facebook's parent company, also makes an appearance at the bottom top 10 stocks for last year was down 64% in 2022. And even Amazon, one that a lot of people always view as safe and Apple and Microsoft tech names that have become staples for investors. Uh, took major knocks, even as ma- as investors adjusted to environment in which rates were rising. So, you know, winners last year were mostly limited to the energy sector, which returned more than 60%. You know, that was significantly outperforming even, you know, every other S&P 500 sector, while no other sectors even gained 5%. So energy yeah. was the
0: big winner. <laughs> that was the big place to be, no doubt. And, you know, who would have thought? I mean, yeah. obviously, there was a war in Ukraine. It really pushed that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so stocks, as bad as stocks were, I mean, there were things that were worse, (laughs) you know, because as the sheen came off the stock market, one of the biggest stories was the disastrous meltdown in cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. And we all remember how excited everybody was about cryptocurrencies just two years ago, right? Well, after the dramatic run up in 2021 to the record highs, um, you know, investors were confronted with an epic collapse. I mean, Bitcoin lost some 64% last year, was down like 75% off of its high from late 2021, as other cryptocurrencies just plain collapsed. I mean, the implosion of parts of the industry were were once viewed as relatively stable, um, such as the FTX exchange that, you know, Sam Bankman freed, you know, was running. <laughs> we all yeah. know about that, <laughs> I and mean, that sent investors running for cover. You know, and it began in May with the collapse of the Terra USD um, or UST, an algorithm stablecoin that was supposed to be pegged one to one to the dollar. That collapsed, and then its failure brought down Terra USD's sister token Luna, and that hit other companies with the exposure to both the cryptocurrency world. So. So anyway, all of this backdrop, you know, kind of leads us to the obvious question, Ryan. You know, what did Wall Street predict <laughs> oh, for yes. last year? We love what, these. <laughs> yeah, what was their prediction last year? Because you got to, you can't just look at that without wondering. Well, you know, who predicted this? Well, a year ago, Wall Street's sense- consensus was that the S and P five hundred would reach forty eight twenty five, would have a modest increase of about two percent. But that was far off of the tw- nearly 20% decline we all experienced in the stock market in 2022. Um, specifically, the projections ranged from about 12% from Oppenheimer to minus 8% from Morgan Stanley. So that mm-hmm. was kind of the range of predictions. Nobody predicted that it was going to fall, you know, anywhere near 20%, right? Uh, most analysts from the major firms like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, LPL, um, they were, they, they were more in the 6 to 7% prediction for last year for the S&P 500. So we have to ask, you know, why could they all be so far off? I mean, not a single major firm predicted a nearly 20% decline in the stock market, um, yet worse, you know, a 33% decline in growth stocks. Mm. So despite all the talk about rising interest rates in late 2021 and how that would lead to a slowing economy, most analysts just continued to predict that the music would simply keep playing. And, you know, all we would see would be kind of a mild year for the markets, so not a down year.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, these analysts are consistent with poor track record um, of expert predictions in other years. Uh, you know, the, the headed predictions of 2022 were not outliers or an exception. Um, market predictions are always a toss up. Uh, in the past two decades, the medium Wall Street forecast missed its target on average by 12.9 percentage uh, points a year. Um, that error over two decades was astonishing and more than double the actual average annual performance of the stock market. So they're not very good at this, are they? They're not <laughs> very
0: good. Because on average, they miss it by more than the re- the average return. Yeah. I mean, they miss it. By, I mean, well, that's like three standard deviations So why do something. they keep trying to predict it? Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, imagine a weather forecast that bad. I mean, a meteorologist says the high temperature the next day is going to be 25 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit and it'll snow. So you dress warm, you know, with winter, 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 a coat, whatever. And actually, the temperature turns out to be 60 degrees and the skies are clear. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's about the level of accuracy for Wall Street strategists that they've they've had, you know, over the last couple of decades. I mean, they missed the 2021 market by 25% on average, and they missed last year by 22% on average. So that's pretty ridiculous how far off they've been. I would stop watching the Weather Channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would start just, just to take my own weather prediction. Yeah, Right. So, yeah. So what are we to make of the predictions for 2023, um, which on average are, are around a break even? So if you talk these, say, look at these same analysts, the consensus is about a break even for 2023. That's their prediction. Well, in fact, um, you know, January started off very strong and, and could make that prediction look pretty silly in just one month here, because um, we're having a pretty good start to the month here. Um, so, yes, even after a significant down year, Wall Street analysts are predicting a flat year ahead with not real gain, no real gains. Um, you know, and that seems unreasonable if you look at history, because the following 12 months on average after hitting bear market territory is a 22% gain for the stock market. So if we simply have a recovery from the 19.4% drop last year in the S&P 500, just a recovery would be looking at a 24% gain. Yeah. So it's kind of inconceivable that the average consensus estimate is a break-even.
1: Yeah. So why does Wall Street defy history and statistics so much in their predictions? Well... We have to think it has to do with their emotions and the expectations of their peers driven by their emotions. We talk a lot about that on this podcast, how many people think more at the emotions than the actual technical side. Uh, see, it would really be uh, stepping out of a limb if an analyst predicted 20-plus percent gains this next year in the middle of a bear market. Uh, the mood is always sour in the middle of a bear market, and to predict a recovery would be defying the emotions of everyone in the room. So not many analysts have the guts to step out on a limb, regardless of what the odds and statistics say. It's also hard to defy your own emotions in, in making such prediction. Um, as we have said many
0: times, emotions
1: uh, will hurt you, your chances of success when it comes to investing, something we talk about a lot.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there, there's also the unpredictability factor, you know, of events going forward. I mean, after all, who could have predicted the war in Ukraine, you know, or the rapid rise of inflation we saw in March of this past year, Um, you know, any more than you could have predicted the pandemic in 2020. Um, So, I mean, it's impossible to forecast all the things that are going to affect the market this year. So you need to have a better plan for your investing, um, your retirement savings and, you know, your money for the future than relying on these predictions. You know, this type of guessing or betting wildly isn't a prudent solution. So instead, you need to diversify your portfolio based on academic principles of what's been proven to work over time. Put the odds in your favor. You know, invest at a risk level you're comfortable with um, and be prepared to weather the market's ups and downs in the bear markets like those in this past year in 2022 And instead of trying to time the market, I mean, have a plan to rebalance your portfolio, to buy a little more of what's down and sell a little bit of what's high. You know, this way you kind of take the guesswork out of investing. You lower your anxiety with a specific plan of what you're going to do. And while it's, you know, always painful to have to ride out a bear market like we saw last year, this disciplined approach of being strategically diversified it's paid off over the years, and it's proven to keep you on track with a better chance of reaching your goals. So that's really the moral of the story here. Nobody could have predicted what happened last year, um, you know, with any accuracy. Um, tough year, but diversification did pay off Yes, very well, and a diversified portfolio held up a lot better than the overall and market. Just that so, reminder,
1: just turn off the news, don't
0: oversaturate. You know, the,
1: the experts are wrong a lot, and so just reminding everybody about that.
0: That's exactly right. So, all right, and that leads us up here to the question of the week. All right, Steve, got one here
1: for you, a a recent question. So someone recently retired at age 54. Uh, He asked, hey, should I avoid taking money out of the stock market for living expenses this year, given the possibility of a recession? Um, I have enough cash to live through 2023.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's great preparation that they have enough cash to live through 2023. So, yeah, I mean, given that scenario, I would certainly wouldn't suggest selling stocks while they're down, um, if you can avoid it, um, living off the cash or fixed income type investments, uh, is a good plan. You know, if you can possibly do that, um, you know, but the market's been recovering a lot too. So it might not be too long before there are parts of your portfolio that are, you know, above, above order as there are, you know, in our portfolios, Um, and hopefully if you're diversified and you have some fixed income in there, you can draw off the fixed income. So like in our portfolios, people don't have to do that because there is fixed income that has not down right now that you can draw from in most retirees portfolios. So, but in this situation, if everything he has is in stocks, certainly I'd live off the cash.
1: Yeah. You just want to be careful not to, to, to your, um, emergency emergency fund. fund. Just don't go, you know, take
0: that to zero or something like that. But if you do have
1: extra, it's still good, Uh, But yeah, great advice.
0: All right. Good question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, the five ways to protect your money in 2023.
1: Yeah. Just as we talked about last year was rough. And obviously there's lots of different predictions about this year. And so obviously, Steve, you know, we can't predict anything, but, you know, we want to talk through just some ways to maybe help the budget, you know, help ways to just protect your money. And so there are people calling for recession possibly this year. So we're going to talk about five ways um, that you can kind of really help yourself out with the budget and protecting your money um, so here are the five moves to consider by making uh, for the beginning of this year
0: yeah that's right and first one is to earn more on your savings um yeah keeping your cash in a typical savings account ryan is not a good idea the average bank savings account only paying like a quarter of one percent um so you know yeah so if you have a thousand dollars in savings you're you're barely going to earn enough to, to you know, buy a slice of pizza. So, yeah, you need to do better than that. Um, you know, some of the lowest rates are at the big institutions, um, you know, and, and so these big banks, they earn a ton of money off the balance as people leave in their savings accounts. So instead of that, you need to go online. Um, you need to get some a good high yield savings account that's paying more like four percent, which are very available in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's other things to look at,
1: too. Like we've talked about a lot is the I-bonds, you know, which they're currently paying about 6.89%. You know, it's one thing you could look at. Um, But, you know, these must be held for at least a year. Uh, Americans can buy up to 10,000 of these uh, of the U.S. government-backed savings bonds each calendar year. So we're in a new year. So everybody can buy that. Um, Another thing to look at is money market funds, too. You know, if you have that emergency fund or extra savings, you know, money markets, what are they paying about now? Three to four percent?
0: Yeah, they are paying over four percent in a good money market account today. Yeah, and, you know, so you just want to look around. A lot of times we
1: just kind of become complacent, kind of used to what we have. And a lot of times there's a lot of better options out there, high yield savings accounts, money markets, even these I-bonds, something to look at. And another thing to look at, Steve, is um, the second is, you know, you can switch bank accounts. You know, bank, banking has changed dramatically over the last two decades, um, but chances are the institution, you know, you're banking with hasn't. Um, Americans, you know, stick with the same primary checking and saving accounts for about 17 years on average, and this is according to Bankrate, so that is a long, you know, longer long than the average marriage, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, Yeah, You know, so it's worth regularly just shopping around, you know, making sure you're still getting the best deal according to bankrate.com. You know, particularly if you're paying any ATM or monthly maintenance fees, you know, a lot of banks are offering, you know, those for free. My bank doesn't charge me anything for that. So, for example, you know, customers who typically carry a low balance in their checking account may benefit from choosing accounts with extended uh, overdraft grace periods. Um, you know, obviously you want to make sure you're budgeting well, have a good emergency fund that we're not in those types of situations, but there are different things you can look at, um, you know, shopping around for different banks.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, um, you also, um, if you have more than 250,000, um, you know, in your bank, for instance, you know, that's the maximum amount that the depositor can be insured with for the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, um, that backs your account at a bank. So you might benefit as well to switch that to a brokerage firm because brokerage firms typically will go out and buy outside insurance that covers you at a higher limit. You know, Fidelity, inst- for instance, it covers up to like $3 million. Um, I know TD Ameritrade and Schwab also covers a lot higher limit than a bank account would. Um, so, yeah, so you can move your money out of the bank and you can also get access to a a good money market account, and a brokerage firm that pays over that 4% as well. Um, and cancel your s- subscriptions. I mean, this time of year, many Americans, they'll sign up for gym memberships as part of the resolution to lose a few pounds. So it's also a good time to cancel those unused memberships. Take a look at the you know anything recurring charges you have on your credit cards or your bank account that's coming out. And you know, save a few bucks from canceling those. The average American spends more than two hundred dollars a month on subscription fees, and under underestimates the cost by roughly a hundred and thirty dollars, according to a recent study this year. Um, so roughly three quarters of the consumers say that it's easy to forget about those recurring charges. Forty-two percent admit that they were still paying for a subscription that they had forgotten about.
1: Yeah. And so Sarah and I every year do a like an audit. So we look at the budget, and we actually cut subscriptions every year. So this year we actually saved 125 a month. We cut out subscriptions at the beginning of the year. So that was one way we were able to just kind of free up the budget some. That's great. Put it towards other things because it's amazing how many automatic subscriptions there are now, streaming, food stuff. You, you just, it can.
0: Apps you, on your phone too. yeah. apps on, on your phone. phone. Yeah, yeah. Good to always
1: have a good budget, but also to audit your your subscriptions. That's a good way to save. The other thing you can do, and this is something I do every year, is renegotiate your bills. Mm. You'd be surprised how many times if you just call them and say, "Hey, can I get the lower rate?" And I did that recently, so I saved on just a, a new subscription with Wall Street Journal because I renegotiated. I also do that with XM every year and save a ton of money. Um, so I'm talking through personal experience on this because it it does add up and you'd be surprised how willing your internet company might be willing to knock your bill down $40 a month just to keep you. It's, it's cheaper for them to keep you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another way is just that to ask for certain fees to be removed from your statement. I mean, these charges, you know, include line items for your phone, your internet cable bill. They may appear as other fees. Um, So, you know, if your first attempt to negotiate isn't successful, call again on a different day. You know, you may have more success with a different customer service representative. So, yeah, get those extra fees taken off and then check your 401k. Um, you know, the standard advice for retirement plans is to let them run on autopilot and to resist the temptation to check your account and make changes when markets are down. Um, and we certainly agree with that. Well, you don't you don't want to be, you know, working off of your emotions, but at least once a year it pays to kind of log on to your account, review your savings rate, um, your investment mix, um, the types of, of tax managed accounts that you use. You know the S&P 500 was was down, like we said, 19.4 percent last year. Bonds also had a terrible year, um, so investors should rebalance their allocation. You know, make sure you get rebalancing. Set it up automatically if you can, so it's automatically rebalancing in your 401k. Make sure you have a good allocation in there, um, and that you have the you're taking advantage of the most recent funds and the lowest cost funds that are in there as well. Um, Internal Revenue Service, IRS said recently 401k contributions. Uh, <clears throat> they raised the limit $2,000 to $22,500 for this year. So the largest increase ever in terms of percentage. So for people 50 and older, it's, it's, they've raised it to $30,000. So make sure you're getting the most you can into your retirement plan.
1: Yeah. And and just going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, you just want to avoid checking it too often. You don't want to look at it every day um, because that's just going to your emotions are going to kick in and it can make you make a lot of mistakes. Um, So, you know, as inflation strains, you know, budgets, some Americans may have to make temporary reductions to 401k savings. um, But the good news is the impact of doing so even for a few years isn't as big as you might think, you know, provide you have a plan to catch up later. Obviously, we want to avoid that if we can. Um, but yeah, the main thing is other things to look at is, you know, some the 401ks now offer a Roth portion, you know, so being able to have tax-free income in retirement, those are the kind of things you just want to review every, every year. Things like rebalancing like we just talked about, um, just a good thing to look at once a year.
0: All right. Very good. And that leads us up here to our last item. And that is the prescription of the week. And Ryan, that is, um, it's a great time of the year to reevaluate your insurance policies, to make sure you have the correct coverage or getting a good price on it. Um, so check your homeowner's policy, for example, to see if the coverage is adequate given the rise in home prices. You know, make sure you have enough coverage there. Check your auto policies to see if you still have a comprehensive coverage on a car that maybe is paid off and is depreciated, where you can drop it down to just liability. Um, Check your deductibles because the higher the deductible, the lower the premium. So check that. Um, And, you know, see if life insurance policies are adequate and still make sense given their cost and their performance, given your stage in life. Um, So review every policy, you know, this year. Make sure that you're getting good value and you're adequately covered for this part of point in your life. That's the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah, and just talking into that, we recently did an audit of our insurance and saved a bunch of money and actually got more coverage by
0: switching. Perfect. And we
1: were with a company for 10 years, and you would think that we'd get a better deal, but now we we were able to save a lot of money. We yeah. even added an umbrella policy and pay less now.
0: Yeah, and the market has changes, too, every year. So, you know, sometimes you can get a better deal just by shopping around. So, But check your insurance. You need to do that at least once a year. Yeah. Make sure you have good coverage in your are you're getting the uh, type coverage that you really need for this point. So that's your prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates and Registered Investment Advisor. certain